Uh, if you'll join me in your Bible, on the back of your bulletin or on the screen, I have a very short um, reading this morning from Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for this beautiful morning that we can gather together uh, with your people um, and worship you in song um, and in learning uh, through your word. Um, we just praise you um, for this opportunity, and we pray that we don't take it for granted. Um, Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be present here with us this morning, um, that you would speak through Brian, um, that you would soften our hearts um, to be challenged um, and to be changed by your word this morning. Um, and we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. All right. Oh, that's good. Loud. Perfect. Good morning, everyone. Um, Russell, can we put the passage back up there for one moment? Thank you. That'd be great. Um, the last two Sundays, we spoke on um, baptism and communion and, and tried to learn more, um, more clearly and a little bit more in depth of what those two sacraments mean. Um, this morning, we are starting um, another short summer series on uh, the true church. And, and what were the things besides baptism and communion that were a part of everyday life of the church? And so this morning we will look at um, that the early church was a learning church. And we'll think about what that means. Next Sunday we will talk about what does it mean to be a loving church. So the passage says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, a learning church, that we are to be lifelong learners, that that's that is part of the, the Christian life, that we are lifelong learners. And the next Sunday, we are lifelong lovers, that we cannot give up on each other. So this morning, we're devoted to being lifelong learners. And I know that there are times when we want to give up and we stall. And, and I'm here to remind you this morning that, that stopping and quitting is it's not an option. Like, you have to keep growing, you have to keep learning, you have to have the humility in your heart to keep growing. And it doesn't matter if you're a brand new Christian or you've been walking with the Lord for a very long time. You have to keep growing. Um, Luke uses the word devoted. And that means that you have a sustained effort, that you can't quit. I'll tell you just a really quick story. And... Um, this was uh, in the springtime. We did, um, a group of us did the um, Cali's Cause paddle, and that's the paddle from Palos Verdes to Catalina. And, um, and uh, if you know me, you know that I'm a, a nominal paddle, paddler. We've got some great ocean people in church, and uh, I would say I'm not one of them. And um, so here, here's the brief story of this paddle is that it was, it was a good group of paddlers. So this time when we did it, I had to keep going because I'm so slow that if I did not keep going the full distance to Catalina, I would get left behind. So what they would do, the, like the legit paddlers, they'd all paddle and then like every four or five miles, they'd all re-kind of connect together and make sure everyone was safe. So for me, they're like, you just have to keep going. Otherwise, you're so slow that we're going to leave you behind. So I'm... I just was uh, in pain for lots of hours. But here's my point. There's a rock. This is to, to two harbors. 
there's a rock, and I believe it's called Ship Rock. And um, once you get to Ship Rock, um, the island um, kind of gives you some protection. And so I was just, in my mind, I'm just like, all I have to do is get to Ship Rock. Because there I can see the end, I can see the pier, I can see, you're one mile away. And so I'm in the front because everyone else was taking their breaks and, and um, I get to Ship Rock and people start passing me. And we get to Ship Rock and I'm like, yes, we're here. And then guess what happens? The wind picks up. And it just, it's like my worst nightmare. Because I was like, I was in my mind, I was like, I've made it, I'm there, I can relax now. And I see Tony Hotchkiss and Ryan Addison and Lockwood, all these like legit paddlers, and they just put their heads down and just start cranking hard. And I'm like, I'm like, oh no. Like if these guys are going that hard and these are really good paddlers, like I might not make it. And like you're, listen, here's in my mind, I was like, no one's going to rescue me. There's no option. Listen, you just have to keep paddling. That's it. Keep your arms moving no matter what. You have to keep paddling. Listen, in life, you have to keep growing. It's not optional. You have to take personal responsibility for your spiritual life, and you have to keep growing. And I know that it's hard, and we get discouraged. It, it happens to me. I know it happens to you. And we want to look for excuses, and we want to cry and pout. And I, I, I'm right there with you sometimes. But I'm saying there are times that we have to kind of pull ourselves together and grow up. And this is where we need community. This is next week. Um, where he talks about they were devoted towards fellowship. That means we need each other. We need each other to help each other and, and to, to keep growing. So this morning, we'll, we'll talk about what does it mean to be a community of people that are lifelong learners? Well, number one, it means it's not optional. You have to commit yourself to this. That means there's humility in your life. That means you're willing to keep growing and learn things. Number two... To be a lifelong learner means that you understand it, it's that important because, and there's lots of reasons why it's important to be a lifelong learner, but one of the top reasons is this, so you can help other people. So you can help other people in life, that you can come alongside people and befriend people and invest your life in people and walk with them through the struggles of life and through the good times of life. And so to be a lifelong, lifelong learner is important because you, so you can help people. Um, my oldest son, Chase, um, just passed, um, recently passed the California State Lifeguard test. And that was really cool. But I'll, I'll say this, that the only reason why he passed is because other people helped him. Blake Baldwin, Carter Baldwin, Shane Renner, Brian Renner. I could go on. There were so many people that invested in him and helped him, and without that, he probably doesn't pass. And so you, growing in your faith, growing in your life, there's a reason to that. And it's just not all, not all about you. It's so you can help other people. Because we need, that's how we grow. That's how we do life. So here's what's happening. Acts chapter 2 is the, as we all know, it's the beginning of the church. And there's a couple things going on that we just want to draw our attention to. And that is, number one, that the Holy Spirit comes and Peter preaches this sermon and people's lives are changed. And the people that hear this sermon say, um, towards the end of Acts chapter 2, they say, 
to Peter who preaches this sermon in verse 37, they say, what shall we do? After hearing this sermon, they say, what shall we do? And Peter says that they are to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And from that moment, that was the turning point in people's lives. And there's one thing here that's not um, explicitly spoken, but it's, it's there in the passage, and that is boldness. That something happened in the lives of people where there was this renewed boldness. And one of the ways that this boldness was expressed was in this commitment to Scripture, commitment to learning and growing um, what is the Bible about and how it points forward to Christ. And so then Luke writes about this commitment, this dedication to Scripture and to growing, and that this is essential for your life. And it's not only for you, but it's to help other people. So what I want to do this morning then is I was thinking about this all week, and there was something that just that, that, that grabbed my attention, and I want to have you turn there this morning if you have your Bible. And that it's uh, Matthew chapter 9, and I meant to put this in the bulletin, and I think we'll have it on the screen. But Jesus says something in Matthew chapter 9, and it's the story of this guy named Matthew who writes this book, Matthew. And, um, and there's this interaction between Jesus, Matthew, the disciples, and the Pharisees. And Jesus says something to the Pharisees that I thought it would be worth it for us as uh, lifelong learners to focus on. And this is um, verse 12, and I'll read it, and then we'll give some explanation to this passage. This is Jesus, the disciples, the Pharisees, and the disciples. And Jesus says this. He says, verse 13, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And so, going back to Acts chapter 2 for a second, it says this, that they were committed to the apostles' teaching. So the apostles were men, a group of guys who hung out with Jesus for, for a few years, lived with him, um, taught, were taught under him, and just spent all this time. And so they were, they were close friends of Christ. And so they were aware of things. And so what I thought would be helpful for us to do is, let's go back and look at this passage where Jesus says specifically, go and learn this. So if we're going to be lifelong learners, if we're going to be committed to the apostles' teaching, to the doctrine of the Bible, and to understanding what life is about, I thought it would be worth it for us to focus our attention for just a few minutes on this specific passage where Jesus says, go and learn this. So here's the context. There's this guy named Matthew. And it says, verse 9, let's read that together. It says, And Jesus passed on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And so Matthew is a Jewish man who is collecting taxes for Rome. And as you can imagine, he is the outcast. As we know, he's a tax collector, and he's collecting taxes from the enemy occupier. So this is taking place in Galilee. Rome is occupying. And so Matthew is the outcast. And Jesus, we learn then that Jesus goes to people who are marginalized, who are not accepted by the broader culture. And there's a simplicity. So number one, one of the things we can learn here is the simplicity 
The simplicity of Jesus' calling. The simplicity of a transformed life. Jesus says two words to Matthew. He says, follow me to Matthew. And then the Bible says, and Matthew rose and followed him. And we just have to think about that for a second. So what is Matthew leaving behind when Jesus says these two words? And Jesus might be speaking these two words to you this morning. He says, follow me. So let's think about what does that mean? Well, what did Matthew leave behind? He left behind a great job, a well-paying job. He left behind security. He left behind stability. He left behind things that we all dearly hold on to. What are the things that we even hold on to today? Well, we build our lives around financial stability. We plan for it. We prepare for it. We move things around in our life to be financially secure. And that's not an unwise thing. But what Jesus is saying here in the simplicity of this is that Jesus will rearrange our lives. The simplicity of this call is there's a rearranging. He even has his name changed. So the simplicity then of this calling is that Matthew leaves behind his old life and has a reordering of his priorities. And the question for you this morning is if you've been walking with Christ, are you still living out those priorities that Christ changed in your life when you first became his follower? Or have you succumbed and slid back to the old ways of life? Well, here's what happens with Matthew. Matthew leaves behind his old life, follows Christ, and then a short time later, he has a dinner party and he invites friends over. And it says this, verse 10, And Jesus reclined at the table in the house, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came. So, who is going to come to a party that Matthew throws. It's only other people like him, right? So think about this for a second. Uh, I'm amazed at how many parties we throw and, and where we live and, and who's invited, who's not invited, and so many people have their feelings hurt and all these kinds of things. And if you get invited, can you come? Should you not come? And don't get invited. Well, this is a party that only the outcasts are invited, and they are the only ones that come. Right? So I was thinking about this morning or this week, and I was like, okay, this is like the equivalent to me almost of like having um, a big party on Point Doom and having it catered by McDonald's, right? It's like, who's going to come, right? All of our, our sweet little health food people who, um, right, we go to Sun, I always forget the name of it, Sun Life, Sunshine, right? So you go, you're at Sunshine, Sun Life, and you're passing out invitations to your McDonald's Big Mac party. Right? Who's going to come? Any of them? Not one. Not one. So Matthew is having his Big Mac party. And the only people that are going to come are the outcasts, the outsiders. Not the cool, not the hip people, not the morally upright. And there's some interesting things that are happening here. It says that they are the tax collectors and the sinners. And the word sinners here is, is this idea of, these are the people that did not live up to the standards of the Pharisees. These are the people that are the immoral people, the people that did not fit within the Pharisees' view of life. So, the unpatriotic tax collectors 
the, the tax collectors were people who would abuse their power and, and add a little tax. So these are the people that were not liked. And then the immoral people were at this party. And here's what happens. This is, <laughs> this is classic gospel stories here. The Pharisees, they're like, okay, they're having this party, and the Pharisees are like, oh, I'm going like, to kind of tip and put my ear to what are these guys talking about? Like right in the backyard, and you kind of you listen to your neighbor's parties and things. Well, the Pharisees do that. <coughs> Excuse me, verse 11. <coughs> when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, they're not going to talk to Jesus, they're going to talk to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you associating with these people? But when he heard it, this is Jesus, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So Jesus is saying something, and this is what we would call a simile, and I came across um, a quote from John Stott to help us understand this, because this can be a little bit confusing. Jesus says this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And John Stott writes this, I think we have it. It would be ludicrous for me as the savior of sinners to stand aloof from the sinners I have come to save as it would be for doctors to stand aloof from the sick because it is their business to look after the sick. And so Jesus is changing things. Jesus is, is changing the view of the Pharisees. And then he says this, <clears throat> Go and learn what this means. I, have, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. What does this mean? That I desire mercy. I desire compassion. Go and learn what this means. <clears throat> this was a complete change in the Pharisees. And here's what, what we're learning from this. To go and learn mercy. To go and learn compassion means that we're kind to all people. Think about right now, and we all have these. I know you've got to be honest with yourself. Who are the people right now in your life that are hard for you to be kind to? And let me just make it easy for you right now. Depending on which political party is in power right now, it's the opposite that's really hard for you to be kind to. Right? We just know that. Or Supreme Court decisions. One decision's made, and one group of people in our country is like, yay, and the other people are, what is happening to our country? And we start despising each other. Think about people in your neighborhood that are hard for you to get along with. <clears throat> Jesus is saying this, it is more important that you learn to love and show mercy and kindness and compassion to people than your religious expressions then your commitment to showing up in church and singing songs and reading your Bible, all of these great things that I would encourage you to do every Sunday are meaningless if you have no compassion for people. And so when we say, when we look back, or we look forward to, to Acts chapter 2, and it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, one of the things we can point to is this, is Matthew's getting this lesson right here with Jesus. Early on in, in, in Matthew's life of learning what it means to be a true follower, it means this, that your traditions that you hold on to don't matter. 
if you are lacking compassion. <clears throat> this is also connected then with the idea that the church has a mission, that the church has a purpose, that there is a vision. In fact, we, if you've been around church for a while, you've, you've heard of the Great Commission. There's a sending out, there's a purpose. And Jesus is making this clear that to understand what I desire mercy, not sacrifice means, it means you understand that there's a purpose for you to be on mission. That's to love people and to be compassionate towards people. That Christ desires that more than religious rituals. And I just spoke the last two Sundays about two religious rituals, baptism and communion. And Jesus is saying this, don't come up here and take communion if you're lacking love and compassion for people. If you're critical and judgmental like the Pharisees towards people, don't do it. Repent in your heart and have compassion and love for people. <clears throat> I read a story this week about a guy, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't, but his name is Hudson Taylor, and he was a missionary to China. And he was uh, visiting a church in Brighton, England. Brighton is a, is a coastal city in England. And, and there's a really neat story in his biography. Um, this is in the 1800s. And he went back and visited this church, and it was a large church. It was you know, over 1,000 people, and it was filled with successful people. And he, and he wrote in his journal, and this is why I know this, he wrote this in his journal, that his impression was this. He visited the church. People were singing loudly. It was just very positive and energetic. People were dressed nice. 1800s, they got their nice hats, and the women are all dressed fancy and beautiful, and the kids are very obedient, sitting up straight. But there was no love for people who did not know Christ. It was focused on themselves. It was focused on their thing, and they had lost an understanding of love of people. And if you know a little bit about Hudson Taylor, he loved the Chinese people. That He committed his life to the Chinese people. And he tells the story that right in the middle of church, he just walks, gets, stands up, and just like leaves. He's like, I'm done with this. And he writes in his journal later that night where he goes and walks on the beach near Brighton, and he prays that God would stir within his own heart a love for people. It's really easy for churches to become focused on themselves. It's really easy for all of us to focus on our own lives. It's really easy for me to focus just on my own life, my own family, and ignore people. When Jesus says, go and learn what this means, we should think very carefully about this. One of the things that I say, and I think this is right in saying this, is that, that I would say that we want to keep our focus on Christ. That we want to point everyone to Christ, not to our church, but on Christ. And Jesus says, and people tell me this, that I'm not really into Christianity, but I want to learn about Jesus. I'm like, okay, fine. Then here we go. Go and learn what this means. It means you're compassionate and understanding to people. And even the people that are harder for you to get along with. And maybe that even starts in your own family. Maybe that even starts with your own spouse. Maybe that starts with people that you're closest to. And we all know that people we're closest to, it's easiest to get irritated with. Go and learn what this means. Go and learn compassion. Go and learn who Christ is. I think it's interesting that when the church begins and this new movement happens, this world-changing movement 
happens. It's called the church. That at the very top of the list is this devotion to the apostolic teaching, to the teaching of the apostles. And the apostles were people who spent their lives with Christ. And Matthew is one of them. And Matthew gets this visual interaction with Christ and the Pharisees, the elite. There's sometimes that the word elite is used in a beneficial way. We'd say the elite athlete, and that's kind of viewed as positive. But if we were to say the morally elite, that's not very positive because we know in our hearts that none of us are morally elite. And Jesus is trying to teach a lesson here and only half the people are getting it. The Pharisees don't get it. It goes right over them. The tax collectors, the flawed people, they understand it. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, is there enough humility in your heart to be aware, first of all, of your need for a Savior, for your need for Christ in your life? Because the only way we're going to learn compassion and love is, you, is if you first understand your own need for Christ in your life. I read a, a quote this week, and, and it was long, it won't be exact, but the, the quote was something like this. Stop trying to be like Jesus and spend time with Jesus. Then you will become like Jesus. Stop trying to be a moral person. Stop trying to be so good and just spend your time with Christ. Spend your time with the gospel. Spend your time with what he says. Go and learn this. Spend your time with him, and then you will learn. We, all, we, we get focused on, I just want to be a good person. I want to be a good person. And I'm saying that's a dangerous road to live on. Spend your time being with Christ. Then you will learn what this means. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that your spirit would press uh, this truth into our hearts. I pray that there would be a softness of our hearts, that there would be honesty before you this morning, that we are all tempted to be critical. We are all tempted to be self-righteous. We're all tempted to notice mistakes in other people. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to understand these words that say, I desire mercy, I desire compassion more than sacrifice, more than religious rituals. Father, I pray that that would be true of my life. I pray that would be true of our lives as a church family. That we would be patient, we'd be understanding, that we would be slow to speak and quick to listen. Father, I pray that you would work this into our lives. We love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.